I read a quote from Bell Hooks this week um, that caught me off guard and caused me to seriously evaluate a lot of what I had thought and done as both a Christian and as a pastor. The quote is this, and I'll read it a couple times. I'm often struck by the dangerous narcissism fostered by spiritual rhetoric that pays so much attention to individual self-improvement and so little to the practice of love within the context of community. I'm often struck by the dangerous narcissism fostered by spiritual rhetoric that pays so much attention to individual self-improvement and so little to the practice of love within the context of community. After reading that quote, it dawned on me how much of my life as a Christian and as a pastor has been caught up in this idea of uh, that Christianity is about self-improvement. Without really being aware of it, this was the essential focus of the message I was hearing about Jesus when I first became a Christian. At that time, I learned that the most important thing for any human being was to be saved from our sinfulness by Jesus Christ. And then after that, a lot of the messages were about becoming a good Christian. Even a lot of the teaching I heard about sermons was that every sermon should have specific, specific practical applications to every person in the congregation. In other words, it should make a positive difference in a person's life, individual self-improvement. And for the longest time, I didn't even really question any of that. Then about maybe eight or nine years ago, I started becoming aware of and actually listening to voices from communities very different from my own in terms of uh, ethnicity, particularly. Black, indigenous, Latin American, especially, as opposed to waspy old white guys, white Anglo-Saxon Protestant males like me, many of them dead, unlike me, but they were the ones that I had learned from. And reading and hearing and actually paying attention to these other voices, then I began to read and hear scripture in whole new ways. And I started to see far more focus on the care for and importance of other people. A focus uh, not on the life and death of individual people, but the health and well-being of all people, even all of creation. But it really wasn't until this week, reading that quote, that I became aware of how significant this change has been for me and why I think it's important for me to acknowledge uh, and understand why understand the importance of it reading that quote allowed me to read our text for this morning in a whole new way whereas you know I've 
preached on this passage numerous times before, read it for myself numerous times. And in the past, I've pretty much seen it as a text that can help us become less anxious individuals. I now see this as a text that can help us care for others in more significant ways. To read this text with a focus on how to improve ourselves is to get things completely backward. Focusing on meeting our own needs leads us into anxiety. Focusing on, the meeting, focusing on meeting the needs of others leads us into God's kingdom. The key that unlocks all of this for me is that first part of verse 31. Jesus says, seek God's kingdom. And these other things will be given to you as well. Seek God's kingdom. Up until that command, the most significant command given from Jesus was, don't worry. And I've talked about this before. I don't think almost anyone ever stops worrying just because you tell them to. Don't worry. Yeah, that's very effective. I think Jesus can say that, and he often does say, that he, uh, and it bothered me for a long time, like, why does, I, I know the positive of, or the power of positive commands. You have to give people something to do, not not do. So I was like, why does Jesus always phrase it that? Well, I think if Jesus is saying it, and you're hearing Jesus, and you're with Jesus, of course you're not going to worry. I mean, there's something about his presence in and of itself that just is calming. But for most of us, to tell someone don't worry, or if we try to command ourselves not to worry, it usually has the opposite effect. In fact, one of my old uh, waspy male brothers um, sees this problem clearly. Tom Wright, N.T. Wright, points out, we now know that anxiety itself can be a killer. Stress and worry can cause disease or contribute to it producing the enchanting prospect of people worrying about worrying. A downward spiral that perhaps only a good sense of humor can break. This is one of the reasons why Jesus' command in verse 31 is so important. It's the positive antidote to worry. Seek God's kingdom. And this is what moves our focus from one of individual self-improvement to care for others. What is God's kingdom? If we're, we're seeking God's kingdom, what does that mean? What is it? Well, we know from the prayer that Jesus taught, uh, especially how Matthew records it, that the kingdom is wherever God's will is done. As Matthew records the Lord's Prayer, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Those are equivalent. That's what it means. Your will is done. That means your kingdom has come. And Jesus tells us what God's will is in our text. Verse uh, 24, consider the ravens. They don't sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn. Yet God feeds them. 
And how much more valuable are you than birds? Verses 27 and 28, consider the lilies, how the lilies grow. They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, how much more will God clothe you? I will admit that for most of my Christian life, I've read those directives to consider the ravens and consider how the lilies grow as almost some sort of Zen Jesus meditation thing, you know, where we're supposed to contemplate those things and become more like the ravens and more like the lilies and not worry. But with the help of uh, several commentators, including uh, the Cuban-American theologian Eustel Gonzalez, I now believe the more important focus is on God's desire to provide the needs for all of creation. Gonzalez writes, although this entire passage has often been interpreted in the sense that food and clothing are not important, an interpretation, he notes, that comes quite easily to those who have an abundance of both, what the passage says is exactly the opposite. We are not to worry about food and clothing precisely because God knows they are important. Indeed, they are so important that God provides them even to birds and grass. That's what Jesus is wanting us to see there is that God cares so much about providing for the needs of all of creation that he provides even for the raven and the lilies. The raven was considered an unclean bird. So if God cares even for an unclean animal, that its needs be provided, how much more everyone else? Or the grass is about as useless as almost anything, and yet God cares for its beauty. God's will for the kingdom, then, is not individual self-improvement, but that everyone and everything in all of creation would be cared for. And as if to make certain that we get that point, Jesus tells us in verse 33, sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out, etc. For where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Let me, uh, I'll refer again to uh, Justo Gonzalez to sum things up. Seek the kingdom does not mean, as some might surmise, simply being more religious and pious. The kingdom of God is a new order, the order that has come near in Jesus. It is an order in which God's will is done. And since it is God's will that even the ravens be fed and the lilies clothed, to strive for the kingdom is, among other things, to make certain that all are fed, and all are clothed. 
We're not to worry about securing such things for ourselves, for they are, they are important to God. But precisely because they are important to God, we must oppose everything that precludes all from having them. That is why in the very passage about not worrying over food or clothing, Jesus invites us, his followers, to give alms. That is, to provide for those who are hungry and naked. Focusing on meeting our own needs, even if it's individual self-improvement in becoming better disciples of Christ, if that's our focus, it leads, at best, probably to anxiety, and at worst, to selfishness. Focusing on the meeting Focusing on meeting the needs of others leads us into God's kingdom. Paul put it this way. So if you're serious about living this new resurrection life with Christ, act like it. Pursue the things over which Christ presides. Don't shuffle along, eyes to the ground, absorbed with the things right in front of you or absorbed with yourself. Look up and be alert to what is going on around Christ. That's where the action is. See things from his perspective. Your old life is dead. Your new life, which is your real life, even though invisible to spectators, is with Christ in God. Or, as Solomon put it, Mercy to the needy is a loan to God, and God pays back those loans in full. Thanks be to God.